You're listening to the feed. This is the feed. This is the feed. The feed. You're listening to the feed. In Markham. In Richmond Hill. You're listening to the feed in Vaughan. In Stouffville. In Woodbridge. In Unionville. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. I'm Station Manager Tina Cortez, and this is the holiday edition of The Feed. We are York Region's only news magazine show dedicated to the issues and events that matter to all of us who live and work here. On this weekend show, our focus is on looking back at 2018, including the year in sports, and kicking off 2019 with tips to manage your holiday debt and sticking to your fitness resolutions. But we begin with the year in weather. Here's Environment Canada's senior climatologist, David Phillips. What a wild weather year it was in Canada in 2018. Expensive, destructive, record-breaking. We saw historic spring flooding in New Brunswick and British Columbia. Uh, Urban flooding in Toronto yet again. Uh, For farmers on the prairies, it was too hot, too dry for too long. We saw the last day of summer, uh, tornadoes in Ottawa and and, uh, Gatineau, a family of them. And yet, in Canada, we also saw the most powerful tornado in the world in 2018. Uh, the year began cold and stayed that way. And at the end of the uh, uh, year, uh, autumn was, in fact, the, the coldest in 28 years. And between the winter and the fall, we had one of the longest, warmest, hottest, driest summers on record. It was uh, also deadly. Uh, in British Columbia, we saw fires, but it was really the smoke that came from these fires that across the country, coast to coast, where 10 million Canadians were gasping and wheezing and and smelling and tasting and and feeling this polluted air. Yeah, a wild and woolly year weather-wise across Canada. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Next on our special holiday edition of The Feed, one of the more popular resolutions, hitting the gym and eating right. Christy Laverty with How to Stay on Track. My name is Samantha Mulbatee-Huynh. I am the mother of two. I am a personal trainer and a wellness coach for mothers and the founder of SamCoreTrainer.com. Fantastic. Thanks for joining us, Sam. We wanted to talk a little bit about holidays, but also ramping into 2019. This is the time of year that a lot of people tend to make those resolutions and say, you know, I'm going to get to it this year. And we know that, you know, intentions are great, but that doesn't always happen. So Mm -hmm. talk to us a little bit about that and maybe how we can ensure that in 2019, we're going to actually do what we say we're going to do. Okay. Interesting you should ask that because I just did a little bit of a rant on Facebook about an hour ago saying like when are you going to be ready because most people like you just said they wait for January 1st and they're going to do what they've always done or what everybody else does and they're going to make their New Year's resolutions or their goals or their promises or whatever you want to call it Um, but the unfortunate part is like the majority of people probably about up to 80% they fall off the rails by February because it's cold it's dark who wants to work out who wants to eat healthy they just want to, you know, be a hermit in their home. And I think a big part of it is um, that they don't have the, the right strategy, they don't have the right support, and they really just don't have the right mindset. They haven't really given it enough thought and planned because they figure, well, you know, motivation will be enough because I'm set up and I'll just do it. But motivation only gets, so, gets you so far and, and motivation only lasts so long. 
Right. And, and if sorry to interrupt. And part of that is really the 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 mindset, right? So you're thinking, oh, it's Huge. aspirational when really mm-hmm. it's fine to aspire to something, but you actually need sure. to put some plans in place. Absolutely. One hundred percent. We all have the best of intentions. Of course we do. But then life gets in the way. And especially if you're, you know, like me, I'm a mother, but I'm also an entrepreneur, whether or not you're a mother or, or father, whatever it is, life is always going to, life doesn't stop and roll up the red carpet because you have aspirations and you've got motivation, you've got good intentions. Life is still going to throw all kinds of balls at you from every direction that you didn't expect. So looking long term, like the thing is, I think the biggest problem with, you know, especially in my industry, the fitness and the diet industry, it is a multi-billion dollar industry for a reason because most of it is it, it fails because people are not set up for success in the very beginning. People are looking for quick fixes. Nobody really wants to work hard because it's hard to change your life. It is hard. And I think a lot of people haven't really thought about that and said, oh, my God, like this, if, you know, if I've been – you know, say like this for 40 years or whatever it is, and I finally decided I have to change a habit or whatever it is that I have, you know, practiced for 40 years, and I'm not going to do it in two to three months. It's just not going to happen, right? So what does that look like big picture? And I think setting yourself up and, and getting the proper resources and having all the plans in place and being realistic Right. And and trying to stay away from Instagram and (laughs) all the other ridiculous things that we have out there, like thrown in our face. Just do this and lose 20 pounds in five days and all this. Here's the the end of the day. And I guess I'm just a bit of a I'm getting approved now that I'm 48 years old and I've been doing this for a long time. If it sounds too good to be true, that is because it is. Right, because there really are no quick fixes. It's about, um, you know, doing the work, being conscientious, but also being yeah. a little kind to yourself. That just because you fall off the wagon on the weekend doesn't mean that everything is flown at the window. Exactly, exactly. And you know, want to know something? Any success, anybody, whether it is in, in health and weight loss or business or anything, you have to know that anybody who makes a huge success has fallen many, 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 many times during that process. They didn't just start and everything was just beautiful and everything was just aligned and it was great and blah, blah, blah. Are you kidding me? They fell over and over and over, but the trick is is every time they fell, they got right up back up and they, did, they started again. They didn't just throw in the towel and say, okay, well, this doesn't work. I'm not doing it. Nope. They so- stuck it out, and I really think that is the big and this is why, you know, when I work with my clients, I, I, I say this to them, and I'm, I am big picture because I say, you know, what is it that you want? What are you looking for? Okay, when X, Y, Z, blah, 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 once you do it, it's like, okay, but this is going to be hard. This is going to require a lot of work on your part, and I also want to make sure that everybody who's around you understands what you're doing too because, you know, other than mindset, when I talk, because I specialize working with mothers, they need, everybody says that they need the support. If you don't have support, it's so hard because you feel like you're just doing it alone. Now, as far as some quick sort of starting tips for people, if 2019 is the year that they say they're going to get healthy and, you know, really work on their fitness and their nutrition, maybe give us mm-hmm. three of your sort of top tips to help people make sure that that becomes a reality for themselves. Okay. 
Well, the first thing I would say is I would find, um, I'm a really big, you know, I, I guess I'm a little bit biased because I am an expert, but I'm a big believer in finding the experts in those fields of whatever it is that you want to do. So if you want to, you know, rein in your food, you know, work with a nutritionist. If you want to get stronger, work, work with a personal trainer. If you want to change your lifestyle and your mindset, work with that, you know, work with a life coach. I really believe that because if that's what they do and that's all they do and that's what they expect, there's a pretty good chance that you're going to have a lot more success in trying to do it on your own. The second thing would be is to, um, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard the term, but you are the result around the, um, of the five people that are closest around you. Mm-hmm. Look at your immediate circle. If you want to make a big change, are the people who are around you, are they supported? Are they in the right, the same, you know, um, mindset as you? the frame of mind, all of that, because if they're not, if you've got someone who's very close to you who has no interest in exercise and no interest in, in changing the way they eat, well, maybe you have to kind of reevaluate that relationship or figure out how you need to find another tribe of people who will help support you because you really, 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 really need that. And then I would also say it's be realistic. Weight loss in general for most people, guys, one to two pounds a week. Anything more, usually, in most cases, is water and muscle, if anything is coming up faster than that. If you want fat loss, and if you just want, you know, things to be, um, if, when you lose this weight, if you want it to be sustainable, slow and steady always wins the race. And even though we all know this logically, that is what people hate to hear. They hate it, because they want, everybody wants instantaneous. So I would say slow and steady, be realistic with your goals, find an expert, and really get a proper supportive team around you so you can make sure that you are, you know, you've got somebody who's going to support you and you can support them vice versa. Because that's the way, you know, especially women, we work really well together when we can work in a supportive team. That's amazing. Some fantastic tips. Now, if people want uh, to learn more about you and about uh, what you offer and how you help people, where can people find you? Well, you can find me online at samcoretrainer.com, but I'm also on Instagram. Yes, I am. <laughs> um, at, at samcoretrainer, as well as Facebook, at samcoretrainer. And I've got a ton of resources and all kinds of great stuff. So, yeah, you can check me out and give me a holler, and I'd be help, happy to support anybody who reaches out to me. Thanks, Sam. I appreciate this. Oh, thank you very much for having me. It was my, I, I enjoyed it very much. This is The Feed on 105.9 The Region. On this special holiday edition of the show, we turn our attention next to the year in sports. Jim Lang with the highlights. 2018 was quite a year in the world of sports. There were some thrills, some chills, and some spills. And thanks to Tiger Woods, some serious chills for this guy. We'll get more about that in a moment. We kicked off 2018 with another exciting edition of the World Junior Hockey Championships. And there was a real York Region connection in the final game. Woodbridge's Victor Mede set up King City's Alex Fermentin for the clinching goal as Canada beat Sweden to take home the gold medal. As soon as the World Juniors wrapped up, football fans were treated to a great month of playoff football. The best moment took place in the last play of the game in Minnesota as Case Keenum hit Stephon Diggs with a 61-yard touchdown to stun the Saints in advance to the NFC Championship game, and that's why we watch sports moments like that. In February, like it does every year, the month kicked off with the Super Bowl being held in Minnesota 
Super Bowl 52 pitted the legend Tom Brady and the mighty Patriots against backup quarterback Nick Foles and the Philadelphia Eagles. In what was a wild game, by the end, Bradley Cooper and Kevin Hart were singing Fly, Eagles, Fly at the top of their lungs as Foles outdueled Brady to lead the Eagles to a 41-33 victory. Foles was named the game's MVP as the Eagles won the Super Bowl for the first time ever. The celebrations on the streets of Philadelphia were borderline out of control, but understandable after their decades of playoff failures and frustrations. As February rolled into March, sports fans in Canada retreated to some great performances at the Winter Olympics and the Paralympics that took place in Pyeongchang, South Korea. While NHL players were not participating in this year's Olympic Games, there was no shortage of drama and exciting moments. Canada ended up third overall in the medal standings with 29 medals, including 11 gold. Now, far and away, the biggest stars for Canada or any other country at the Winter Games in Pyeongchang were our figure skaters, Tessa Virtue and Scott Moyer. Tessa and Scott carried the Canadian flag during the opening ceremonies. Then they went out and won the gold medals in the team figure skating event and gold in the ice dancing. By the end of the Olympics, Tessa and Scott became the most decorated figure skaters in the history of the Olympic Games for athletes of any country. In April, Patrick Reed kicked off the month in style, winning the Masters by one stroke at a Ricky Fowler for the first major win of his career. As the NBA season came to a close, the Toronto Raptors were sitting pretty as the number one seed in the East. And after knocking off the Wizards in six games, the Raptors went head-to-head with their old foe, LeBron James and the Cavs. James and the Cavs brushed the Raptors aside in four easy games. As a result, Coach Dwayne Casey was fired and DeMar DeRozan was traded. In came new coach Nick Nurse and one of the league's top players, Kawhi Leonard. Now, whether or not the changes will make a difference, nobody will really know until the playoffs. But at least LeBron James plays in the West now, so the Raptors don't have to face him anymore. The highlight of May took place in Regina at the annual Memorial Cup to determine the champion of junior hockey in Canada. Aurora's Robert Thomas and the Hamilton Bulldogs put up a brave face, but in the end, nobody could stop the Acadie Bathurst Titans. By the end of May, the NBA Finals got underway with Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors taking on LeBron and the Cavs. The series was over before it even started as the Warriors, led by their MVP Kevin Durant, destroyed LeBron and the Cavs in four straight games. This was the third time in the last four years that the Warriors were crowned NBA champions. June 7th was a day that Alexander Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals, well, they've been dreaming about for a long, long time. After years of playoff heartbreak and ridicule, Ovechkin and the Capitals beat the Vegas Golden Knights in five games to win the Stanley Cup for the first time in the history of their franchise. Ovi won the Conn Smythe as a playoff MVP. Then he went on a wild week-long party with the Stanley Cup, including hanging out with Jimmy Fallon and having him drink beer out of the cup. Brooks Kepka put on a show at the famed Shinnecock Hills Golf Club on Long Island to repeat his U.S. Open champion. And once again, New Market's very own Connor McDavid took home the hardware at the NHL Awards. McDavid won the Art Ross Trophy as the league's leading scorer, and he also won the Ted Lindsay Award as the player deemed most valuable by his fellow players in the NHLPA. Now, July is usually a downtime for major sports, and although there were a number of big things taking place, there was a few ones that really stood out, especially NHL free agency got on the way on the 1st of July, and Kyle Dubas and the Maple Leafs landed the big prize when they signed highly touted free agent John Tavares to a long-term contract. 
Markham's Andre de Grasse, one of the best sprinters in the world, injured his hamstring at the Canadian Track and Field Championships, and that forced de Grasse to skip all of the major meets the rest of the summer and look ahead to 2019. Near the end of the month, Dustin Johnson won the Canadian Open in Glen Abbey and Oakville. Now, from there, our family went away on a European vacation. And while there, I witnessed firsthand the unbridled passion for soccer they have in Europe. As passionate as people are in Rome and Nice for their soccer, it is nothing compared to the obsession people in Barcelona have for their team, FC Barcelona. It makes Leaf fans look downright mild by comparison. Well, two months after the winning the U.S. Open, August kicked off with Brooks Kepka as he went out and won the PGA Championship. Later on in August, Canada's Brooke Henderson did something a lot of golf fans and golf journalists in Canada thought they would never see happen again. She won her national championship. As she walked up the fairway in 18 at the West Canada Country Club in Regina, the sound of the standing ovation from the galleries could be heard all the way back in her hometown of Smith Falls, Ontario. Seconds after putting out at the CP Women's Open, Brooke Henderson was standing there in awe as the massive crowd belted out Old Canada and the usually inflappable 21-year-old Henderson fought back tears. It was a great moment for golf, and at 21, Brooke Henderson is just getting started. Well, there were many things that happened in the month of September, but none of them came close to what happened at the Tour Championship at the Eastlake Golf Club in Atlanta. By Sunday afternoon, the galleries had swelled to epic proportions to catch a glimpse of the legend Tiger Woods. TV audiences were setting new records as Woods was capping off his first tour victory in five years. And legions of fans on hand and the millions and millions watching on TV didn't want to miss a second of it, me included. Now, there's a love-hate relationship with Tiger Woods. I get it. I know that some hate him, but I'm in the other category. I love him, and I love watching Tiger Woods golf. To me... It has nothing to do with his personal life. It's all about business of what he does on the golf course. And to me, it's always about golf and what he went through to come back physically and mentally to pick up his first tour win since 2013. It was a golf moment and sport moment. I won't forget. I still have chills thinking about Tiger Woods watch, walking up the fairway at 18 to cap off his first victory in five years. What a moment it was. Well, October was a tough month for Blue Jays fans. It was tough to watch. Look at, as a Blue Jays fan, I had nothing but the utmost respect for manager Alex Gore and the Boston Red Sox and former Blue Jays Steve Pierce, who was named the MVP as the Red Sox beat the Dodgers in five games to win the World Series for the fourth time in the past 15 years. Now, while all of this was going on, it was a busy time for high school sports in New York region. Easily the best-kept secret in New York region, male and female athletes at high schools all across the region perform at high levels every day, and best of all, it's free of charge to watch them play. Well, in November is all about the Grey Cup in Canada. The Grey Cup isn't what it used to be, but it is still a great sporting spectacle. Bo Levi Mitchell and the Calgary Stampeders beat the Ottawa Red Blacks in the 106th edition of the Grey Cup, and a good time was had by all. And great job by Alyssa Carr at halftime at Edmonton. But while this was going on, Thornhill's Mitch Marner emerged as one of the top offensive players in the National Hockey League. Austin Matthews was recovering from a shoulder injury in November, and Mitch Marner carried the Maple Leafs on his back and took his game to another level, putting him in elite status and, and putting himself in a position for a major payday next season when his contract comes to renewal. In December 2018 came to a close with a busy month of sports throughout the region, throughout Canada, and all over the world. Teams across the NFL were busy solidifying their playoff status. Meanwhile, teams all over the NHL were busy making tough decisions. At Edmonton, the Oilers fired Tom McClellan as their head coach and replaced him with grizzled veteran Ken Hitchcock. 
The results were immediate as Connor McDavid and the Oilers went on a tear and put themselves back into serious playoff contention of the Western Conference. As we close out 2018 and look ahead to 2019, we can only hope we won't ever experience anything like what happened in April of 2018 with the Humboldt Broncos bus crash. It was a tragedy that not just shook the people of Saskatchewan, but people from coast to coast and around the world, especially here in York Region. As I went around my business in York Region, I saw people all across the area from all nine municipalities placing hockey sticks outside of their homes in solidarity and support of the Humboldt Broncos. A lot of people in York Region donated a lot of money to their GoFundMe campaign because the memory and the impact of what happened to those young men in that bus really hit home. So let's hope nothing like that ever happens again and all the young men, men and women who play sports in this region, this country, never have to experience anything like that ever. For 105.9 The Region in the Feed, I'm Jim Lang. You're listening to 105.9 The Region, and this is The Feed, where we share stories, issues, and events from across York Region, including how to reduce the amount of waste over the holidays. Afwaba with the story. How does one keep waste to a minimum, especially during the holiday season? Joining me to chat today about how we can make the holidays more eco-friendly, I have Joanne St. Goddard, who is the Executive Director with the Recycling Council of Ontario. Joanne, thanks for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. Not a problem. All right, let's help the listeners. What are the top tips you can give them um, in order to reduce waste during and even after the holidays? Yeah, it's a really, really difficult time to not consume. We're very, very tempted in the, you know, these days, that's the basis for Christmas for sure. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, when people take a step back, they realize that, you know, what the biggest commodity is for everybody is time. And what the, you know, the Christmas spirit really is about is time together. And so, you know, what, what we'd ask people to do first and foremost is reduce the amount of consumption um, that they tend to undertake during Christmas time or, or be encouraged to, to continually buy um, and really think about spending more time with their loved ones. And so the, the very first meaningful thing they can do is actually think about an experience uh, or uh, an opportunity to spend time with loved ones doing something creative as opposed to purchasing products uh, or things for one another. So we encourage experiences, uh, time together, um, uh, uh, an outing, uh, going to the museum, taking in a movie, taking in a concert. Um, I had uh, a friend today decide that she was going to take her entire family for a winter horseback riding um, experience. So at the end of the day, you get what you want, really, which is time, and you don't walk home with anything that's going to ultimately end up in a landfill or any packaging that you have to throw out. So really experiences over things is, is the number one tip. That is a perfect tip because technically time in and of itself is a gift, right? And I think we get so caught up in buying stuff, we forget about spending that time with the person in general. You're absolutely right. And, you know, we're all so caught up in the busyness that becomes the Christmas season that by the time the day actually comes around that, you know, we're exhausted and we don't right. actually have any energy to take advantage of the time off that the uh, that the Christmas season affords us. So, you know, stop shopping, stop buying things for one another. Um, Look creatively for experiences that you can do together and better spend your time and energy on those things. I love it. Okay, so time, number one. Okay, so what are some other tips you can give us? 
Yeah, I think um, really what's trendy and, 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 and really heartfelt is, is homemade uh, items as well. Uh, everybody likes to eat, uh, so if you're into cooking, uh, giving uh, a gift of food is never going to be turned away. It's always appreciated. And, you know, again, back to time, people really think about the time and the effort that you cook that you did to cook something, to bake something for someone. Uh, knitting, for an example, a homemade uh, a gift that, you know, is, is practical, it's wearable, but again, it has your, your personal signature to it. Um, we often see uh, people uh, gifting music to one another. So instead of buying a CD, and that might be an old term now, um, you're actually buying a service for someone. So you might want to think about gifting them a season of Netflix or gifting them some kind of a membership on, on an Apple Music. So again, you're not walking away with someone that's, that's something that's going to end up in landfill, but you may be appealing to moviegoers or uh, TV watchers or music lovers as well. And it goes back to this idea of buying experiences over things. And those are very popular um, items right now. That's where uh, many people are spending their money anyway. Perfect. And so, uh, again, those are, are more eco-friendly type of holiday items that we could get and send out as gifts too, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, if you're buying a streaming service, there is virtually nothing uh, that exchanges hands. There is no product. There is no package. There's an email that comes to you with a, uh, you know, with a little note, uh, and then you, you're off to the races. You're off uh, enjoying your gifts without having anything to throw away. Okay. And um, I just had a quick thought um, on, on gifts. Um, you know, with the, the holiday wraps and, and the holiday wrapping and all of that that you purchase and then after they unwrap the gift and then they throw it away, is there maybe an alternative that we can do instead of uh, buying all of that holiday wrapping paper? Yeah, this is my favorite. Um, I can tell you what my mother-in-law does because she's a master at it. Um, she buys the plain brown, fully recyclable. Sometimes it has post-consumed material in it to begin with. Um, and she wraps her gifts with that plain brown paper and then uh, uh, decorates it up with her own uh, sometimes sayings, sometimes verses, and sometimes a little picture. So she'll color it up and use her uh, own artistry to be the decora decoration. And I tell you, we, we enjoy that much more than, you know, your generic store-bought uh, wrapping paper. It's very personal. Um, we look forward to it every year, and it's super creative. Um, and I think, you know, you've seen all, all sorts of different options. You've seen you know, the tie bags where the gift goes right into the bag and it gets tied up, and then that bag gets used over and over. Mm -hmm. um, I've even received gifts in newsprint. Um, sometimes they're comics, so it's quite colorful. And, in fact, that's the one that sticks out most under the tree because it's unlike any other. Right. So you know, I, think, I think people are pretty sensitive uh, to the overconsumption that has become Christmas. I think uh, they, they also appreciate that, that so much consumption has created so much waste. And we need to become more creative around that. And, and, and people want to give something personal. So personal wrapping paper that's designed by, uh, by the person giving it is pretty personal. Can't get more personal than that. All right, cool. And then um, just and using shoe boxes too, right? Instead of maybe going out and buying boxes and then having to, I mean, wrap that up. I mean, just get rid of the shoe boxes that you already have in your house too, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I do that to my 13-year-old, although he's always wanting new sneakers. So sometimes he gets disappointed when I'm using the shoe box, but there's really no shoes in that shoe box. So you just have to be careful that you're not uh, that you're not disappointing the person. But absolutely, there's so many different uh, there's so, so many different in, innovative things we can do. 
Perfect. Okay, now uh, talk to me about maybe uh, sometimes it might be a taboo topic during holiday season, but we'll, we're going to go there. Regifting, in <laughs> case you get something that you don't necessarily like, tell us how it can be maybe a good thing environmentally, maybe giving it back. Yeah, I'm all about regifting. Um, and I don't think it has to be insulting. And sometimes I regift something without the receiver knowing that it's given to me. But I mean, the idea is that. If you've got something in your possession, if somebody's been giving you something, you know, I think when you give something to someone, you want to make sure they actually use it. So if, in fact, it's an item that's not really, you know, your uh, your thing, but you know someone else who would love it, there's really nothing uh, wrong with, with giving it uh, over to that person. I think the idea is we want to maximize the use of the item so that this person really loves the, the, the product or the item that you're actually giving. So I think this is all in the spirit of enjoyment. It's, it's the experience of, of, of making sure that, uh, that you're utilizing the things that you have in your home or, or, or whatnot. So, you know, A, you don't have to tell the person that you ended up to re-gift it. You don't have to tell the receiver that this item was given to you. I think it's all about maximizing the use of, uh, of the products that we're going to spend money on or that we happen to have in our home so that they don't sit unused and, again, ultimately end up in landfill. And I, I know it probably might be the obvious, but don't re-gift and give it to an immediate family member so that the person can maybe see it down the line. <laughs> maybe maybe keep a small note for yourself so you don't re-give it back to the person who gave it to you. There may be that. That's probably very sound advice. Perfect. I, I agree with you there. Okay. Um, let's talk about keeping it real. Talk to me about maybe the benefits of using real items. Uh, let me, yeah. For an example, like trees um, instead of using fake ones. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately we know that, um, you know, there's a lot of energy and material that goes into making uh, a, a, a mock or a mimic of something that's actually real. And so there, there is the, the resources and the materials that go into making fake trees. Um, and usually those trees are made up uh, predominantly of plastic. And unfortunately, some of that plastic is really, really difficult to recycle, particularly when it comes in the form of a, of a tree. It doesn't fit in your blue box. And it's probably a composite material that's really tough for the recycling industry to try to actually uh, remake or, or process into, into, new, into new items. So, uh, you know, the benefit of, of a living tree is that, in fact, uh, when you're finished with it, you can take it outside. Uh, many municipalities uh, receive it uh, at the end of the year or within the new year, and they use that. They mulch it up, and they make landscaping for the municipality. Uh, it gets repurposed, and, of course, because uh, nothing is waste in nature, um, the natural material that's part of the tree gets put back right, right back into the ground where, where it, can, it can, of course, uh, provide nutrients for, for soils as well. Or in some cases, if you're lucky enough to live in the country, you can actually use it for wood or you can use it for your own landscaping purposes as well. So there are, um, uh, of course, um, there are uh, benefits both in terms of ensuring that you've got nothing to discard and landfill, nothing that actually has to be recycled, and something that is natural that can be put right back into, uh, into the ecosystem. Hopefully that'll, that'll um, allow maybe residents to take a second look into getting real trees instead of just buying fake ones and chucking it in the garbage afterwards. Yeah, and, and tree farmers, I mean, by their very nature, they want their trees to be healthy, they want them to look good, and of course they want to keep producing trees year over year in their farms. So they have a vested interest in ensuring that they grow sustainably. 
so um, you can rest assured that, uh, that, that many of the farmers out there that are selling trees are taking very good care of their crops um, and, and taking good care of the soil and, and, and farming responsibly because really that's where their money comes from. So, uh, and, 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 and again, uh, the materials for trees are, are, uh, can be absolute nutrients for, for the ground. So that material can go right back into the ecosystem without any harm whatsoever. So um, we do encourage people to look at natural and real trees if they can. Perfect. Okay. So talk to me uh, for the, to, let's help the uh, listeners know a little bit more about the Recycling Council of Ontario and where residents can go for more details. Thanks so much for that. So our uh, website is, of course, www.rco.on.ca or rco.on.ca is the URL. Um, and the Recycling Council has actually been around in Ontario. Uh, this is our 40 year, as 40th year as an anniversary. Um, and we really help keep the issues of waste and consumption at top of mind for the public and try to get them to understand the, not only the environmental costs of overconsumption and waste, but the economic and social ones as well. So we do a lot of uh, public awareness work. We, we educate through our programs at, uh, at, in schools at the elementary and the secondary uh, level. Um, we do a lot of research and policy work as well. So we, we work with governments to develop new regulations that help companies and, and uh, citizens uh, reduce their consumption and ultimately reduce their waste as well. So again, rco.on.ca, um, and uh, we're welcoming any calls uh, or interest in the organization. We are a, a not-for-profit charity, so if you'd like to make a Christmas donation in lieu of purchasing something, again, a very good wasteless gift. Perfect. All right, Joanne, thank you so much for chatting with me about this uh, very important topic, uh, ways of reducing our waste during the holiday season. Um, happy anniversary um, to the Recycling Council of Ontario. Happy 40th, 40 years of uh, continuing to help uh, Ontarians reduce their waste in as many ways as possible. And of course, Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Thanks so much and Merry Christmas to you and your listeners as well. This is The Feed on 105.9 The Region. I'm Station Manager Tina Cortez. If you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com for replay. If you overdid it in terms of spending this season, we have some advice on how to manage your holiday debt. Today we're joined by Barry Choi. He is a personal finance expert, writes about all things money on his blog, moneywehave.com, which I love that uh, title because we all want to have more money. Um especially this time of year when we're rolling into the end of 2018 and 2019, January, we might be expecting some bills, some credit card bills to come in. So maybe Barry, we can talk a little bit about debt and how we can mm-hmm. manage debt. It's a, it's a tricky thing. You know, a lot of people are high off the holidays. And then like you said, those credit card bills start coming in and then we quickly realize, well, I spent a lot of money, Right. Uh, you know, hopefully you've got the money so you can pay off the entire balance in full, but I suspect for a lot of people that's not the case. So you're going to be paying interest. Now, the problem with credit cards is they charge a high amount of interest, on average close to 20%. So if you fall in that category, you want to make a plan to attack that debt as quickly as possible, which means, you know, maybe putting aside all extra funds uh, to dedicate to your credit cards. Alternatively, you can maybe think about 
using your line of credit, which has a lower interest rate, so you pay less interest in the long run. You really got to be creative sometimes. Now, one of the things that maybe we can talk a little bit about, and I know people are, you know, sort of maybe anticipating those credit card bills come in, but share with us maybe a tip or two on how we can maybe better manage, because there are ways to manage that holiday shopping without going into debt. Yeah, so a good way of looking at it is, you know, we're about to approach 2019 now. And if you know you've overspent in 2018, maybe you got to start building that budget from January. Because, again, we know the holidays come in December, and every single year we're still surprised at how much we spend at that time of year. So maybe it's a matter of setting aside $100 a month starting from January. So that means at the end of the year you'll have $1,200 to spend on presents. Of course, other things will come up like weddings, birthdays, anniversaries. So, you know, it's nice to have that fund that you can dip into whenever you need to spend money. Uh, and at the same time, I recommend to people, if you don't have the funds available, you may need to like cut back on your, on your gifting or maybe consider less expensive gifts. So, and, and this idea of budget, I almost want to use it as sort of one of those, the B word, the idea <laughs> of budget kind of scares people, but it doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be a bad thing. Yeah, you know, budgets are common, right? But at the same time, I get why people are afraid of them. There's sometimes people are just afraid to run the numbers. But I like to, you know, creating budgets aren't fine, but I like to examine my finances and I recommend people do the same. So what you should do is maybe just track your expenses for a month or two and just really see where your money is going, right? So when you look at your expenses, you might realize like, hey, you know what? I'm spending a little bit too much on eating out or maybe I'm spending too much on Ubers or taxis. If you cut back a little bit, that money that you save there can be allocated to other things. Uh, we talked about debt. That's a natural place you want to put your money first. Savings, presents, emergency fund. There's so many things you can do. It's, it's not about like you know trying to cut back on every single expense. It's just being smart with your money and how you can best use it. Now, as we go into 2019, do you have some tips, some things that maybe people should be thinking about as far as not just the debt, but actually starting to save money and make money for themselves. Yeah, for a lot of people, New Year's resolutions or money resolutions, they tell themselves, you know, I'm going to make more money, which is really good. But at the same time, if you don't have a plan to make more money, you're almost setting yourself up for failure. Like, what are you going to do to make more money? Are you going to start driving Uber? Are you going to start selling stuff? Uh, instead of focusing on making more money, I recommend people try to save more money. Uh, again, we talked about the budgeting, cutting back on certain things. You know, or even like selling things online through a secondhand economy. Any way you can save money, just that puts almost $2 back in your pocket. And there are some easy ways to do that. There are a lot of sort of money or finance vehicles that aren't difficult <laughs> that people can yeah, start so, utilizing. So what I would say is like, you know, once you've established like where you can save, like, you know, it doesn't have to be huge amounts to start, maybe $25 a month, $50 a month. But the easiest thing to do is set up an automatic withdrawal that goes to a savings account. So that means every single month, you know, you set up an amount and it automatically withdraws from your account. And if you can time it to when you get paid from work, you never actually miss that money, right? Because it's gone right away. So it's, eventually what happens is you've, you've trained yourself to like, you know, set aside this money. You're paying yourself first. Any other tips that you have for people to to sort of manage their financial life because 2019 as you said people make a lot of resolutions mm -hmm. and you know we think about health and fitness and nutrition but often the finance part of it is so key to living mm -hmm. a happy life because we know so much stress comes from the idea of money or the feeling of lack yeah. of 
I like how you talked about health and fitness. When people want to get in shape or eat better, what they do is they start researching. You know, they go to the gym, they work with the trainer, but when finances, a lot of people just don't know where to start. So to me, a good start is reading a personal finance book. You know, one of my favorite authors, uh, another personal finance expert, Melissa Leon, her new book called Happy Go Money is coming out just in a few weeks. And by picking up a book like that and really understanding where money is and getting advice from experts of how to manage your money, that's a good start. Because once you understand the basics, you quickly realize that managing your money is not a scary thing and it doesn't need to be difficult. And you, of course, as we wrap up this interview, you share a lot of tips on your site, moneywehave.com. Yeah, you know, I love to write about money. Uh, a lot of these tips that I shared are just things I've learned over the years. You know, I want everyone to know that I'm completely self-taught, so I'm no different from you. Yes, my parents helped me when I was younger. Uh, fortunately, I didn't have to take on any debt. Uh, but these are just life lessons I've learned over the years. And I just want to make sure people don't make the same mistakes that I made. Thank you so much, Barry. Here's to a successful and money-filled 2019. <laughs> yes, best of luck to everyone. Our next stop on the feed is the good work of the CP Holiday Train. Salem Woodrow is with the CP Holiday Train, and she joins us now. Salem, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Can you tell our listeners, first of all, what is the CP Holiday Train? The Canadian Pacific Holiday Train Program is North America's longest rolling food bank fundraising program. We travel across Canada and the United States with two trains, raising money, food, and awareness for food banks and hunger issues, putting on a free family-friendly concert along the way, and reaching more than 160 communities um, on on CP tracks um, all across Canada and the United States. And how long have these journeys been taking place? Well, this was the 20th year of the CP Holiday Train Program. The program began in 1999, and uh, in the 20 years now, we've raised more than $15.8 million and collected 4.5 million pounds of food for food banks. That's phenomenal. And I know that there were stops here in York Region. How exactly does it work? Walk us through the process. Well, the Holiday Train Program facilitates the collection uh, of food and money for food banks. We partner with food banks in uh, the communities that we stop in. So at every single stop along the way, we have a different food bank that benefits from the trains free concert uh, and arrival. So when folks come out to see the holiday train concert, we always ask that they bring a non-perishable food item or a cash donation uh, for the food bank and everything that we raise in that community stays in that community for local distribution. Also included is CP donates to each food bank along the way. And when people, you know, arrive and show up there at the holiday train, can you describe a little bit about their reaction in terms of the concert and participating? Well, it's really a magical site. The train itself is beautiful. It's 14 cars, about a thousand feet in length, uh, decorated with hundreds of thousands of LED lights, 
And of course we put on a free concert. So when the train pulls up and the stage door lowers, our bands, whoever it might be in that community this year, we had uh, Terry Clark, Sierra Noble, Kelly Prescott, The Trues, Sam Roberts Band, Jojo Mason, so really a, a fabulous Canadian lineup traveling across Canada and the United States on our two trains, uh, putting on these free concerts. Um, as I mentioned, it's it's a great family show uh, year after year, and the the little kids, the small kids, really enjoy seeing the train because it's beautiful and decorated with hundreds of lights. But of course, also it's a great family friendly concert too. So, um, and like I mentioned, it's bands that are extremely popular and great Canadian lineups. So, uh, you know, this year was, was great. We're so happy for all of the support that we have received from the communities, and we're also really excited and looking forward to next year. And how did you get the musical talent to participate? We partner with a production company that goes out and uh, asks and, and, and gets the performers to come on board with us. Um, but also we have musicians that want to take part in this program because it does such a great job giving back to the community. So someone like Terry Clark, who was brought on board last year to take part on, a, on the U.S. portion of our holiday train, uh, wanted to come back this year and do it all over again. So we uh, were really proud of the program itself, and we're so thankful for all of the support that we get from our musical uh, partners as well. Do you have any final numbers that you can share with our listeners in terms of you know, how many pounds of food uh, was, uh, was collected or how much money was raised? We still have some of those numbers coming in, but I can report that the program is on track to raise more than $1.3 million and collect more than 200,000 pounds of food this year, which brings our totals to $15.8 million and 4.5 million pounds of food. Now, in terms of what was collected for this year, how far does that money or does that food go? Well, because everything that we raise in the community stays in that community, it has a direct impact on that individual community. In some of the uh, locations that we bring the train to, this is one of the main fundraising programs for the entire year. And it is really a crucial time of year. The Christmas season is extremely busy for food banks. And uh, so the support that we can provide by CP's donation, as well as the food and money that's collected at the stop, really does have a direct impact at a very important time of the year. Now, I know you hinted at this a little bit. In terms of, you know, even though the 20th year of the CP holiday train is wrapped up, what can we anticipate for 2019? Well, as soon as the year's holiday train program wraps up, you know, we take a brief break and then planning for next year's basically starts in January all over again. <laughs> so each year we come back, we do a debrief on the program and start thinking about what we can do better next year. Uh, next year will be our 21st year and we're really excited to hit the rails back again. And uh, if our listeners want more information on the CP Holiday Train or they want to continue to donate, how can they do that? 
Uh, we encourage folks and supporters to follow us on social media at CP Holiday Train for Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If they've come out to the Holiday Train and they have photos or stories that they want to share with us, we really encourage them to share those stories with us on our social media channels. Uh, another great place to find information is uh, CPR.ca uh, for previous schedule information as well as, as photos and different um, coloring pages and things that people can donate. And then if folks want to continue to donate, I encourage them to reach out to their local food bank and donate directly to them. That's terrific. Salem, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. New music. New music. A new artist on the feed. Hi, my name is Natasha Waterman. I started singing at 11 uh, when my mother would uh, ask me to sing I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston in front of this, the family at like all gatherings. Um, I love music. I've been singing. I love doing what I do. This is my new song called Long Road on 105.9 The Region.
that's our show for this week. If you missed any part of the feed, head over to our website, 1059theregion.com. I'm Tina Cortez from all of us here at The Region. Happy New Year, and thanks for listening.